I went down to Coney Island and on the main drag there was a, an old frozen custard place, an ice cream place. It had a sign in it for lease. It had nice tile walls. I wouldn't have to fix the place up, wouldn't have to spend any money. Just build myself a little railing. I said, this would probably be the place I'm going to get. I went around the corner to see my old friend Blackie, who by now, the Greco brothers, his two younger brothers, had opened directly across the street from him. Blackie never liked that idea. He said, the little bastards. After my parents died, I raised them. I taught them a trade. I gave them a job. And then they opened right across the street from me. They couldn't go around the block out of my sight or something. These are little fucking bastards. Anyway, down the street, this Coney Island Freddy had moved from his secluded spot. He bought out what used to be a wax museum, a good location, right on the same block as Blackie. And he had opened there. Max Phelps was still down on the corner. Max Phelps now had Mike Jr. Colantuno, the younger Colantuno brother, working with him. So I told Blackie, I'm very sorry, but I'm going to have to open here. I, I need to make, make a living, and I got nowhere to go. Blackie said he'd rather see me here than, than his brothers or that Coney Island Freddy or anybody else. He said, you're a good guy, and I'd like to see you here. He said, I got Red Cloud with me. He says, we'll be fine. He says, good luck to you. I said, thank you. Now I rent the place. My father comes down to help me build a little petition just to keep the people from breathing on me. There's a little railing in between me and the customers. We get down there. My father forgot his tools. But my father was a, a great man. He was a sheet metal man by trade. Worked for the city of New York. He could build anything. He could do plumbing, electricity, carpentry. He was a man of all trades. He forgot his tools. So walking around Coney Island, he seen a big rock in the street. He said, this will be my hammer. He had a knife in his pocket. He used one piece of wood as a ruler for the next piece. And he'd draw a line with his pencil across the wood he wanted to cut. He'd take his knife and make several lines on that line he drew, get the wood started to have a little groove in it, put the wood up against the curb and jam on it with his foot and snap the wood right where the cut he wanted. And he built me a little petition. Genius, my father. I hung up my flash. I got a sign painter. In Coney Island, there was a little man who used to go around Coney Island every spring, painting signs, very reasonable, very good. So I get the guy, and he's up on the ladder, painting on my sign, crazy Eddie's tattooing. Brooklyn Blackie come walking by, looked at me, looked up at the sign, said, that's right, smiled and kept going. So I had my place in Coney Island again. I'll spend the next three, four years there before the city of New York 
passes a ban against that going in New York. I don't want to get too ahead of myself, because I got three or four years here now in Coney Island. That's going to be great and some nice stories. Jack Dracula comes by one day looking for a place to work. I said, yeah, sure, you can work here. So we set up a bench with Dracula work, and the two of us worked that year together. We were right next door to a giant freak show. Some of the people that worked in the freak show would come by and chat with us, and they kept telling Dracula, they talked him in the tattoo in his face. They used to say, why don't you tattoo your face and come with us on the road this winter? Be the world's greatest tattooed man. And Dracula just kept eating that shit up. One day he says to me, he said, I want you to tattoo an eagle on my forehead. I said, no, I ain't tattooing your face. He got out a mirror and he started to put an eagle on his forehead. I said, you're out of your fucking mind. I was living in the Bronx with Nancy at the time. She, the baby was about blue. So I took the train. It was a long ride from Brooklyn, Coney Island to the Bronx. I had to take a train into Manhattan and another train to the Bronx. Where I walked in the Bronx. Well, I went home, went to sleep. When I came back the next day, that Dracula was still sitting there. He slept at the eagle, almost done on his forehead, kind of lopsided and crooked. And he said, it's there now. You might as well fix it for me. I said, no, I ain't tattooing your face. Well, Dracula got up, walked around the corner to see Mike Colantuno. He came back an hour later. And the eagle was all done. It actually looked pretty good. It looked like a sweatband. So I said, well, it don't look bad, Jack. Now that's enough of tattoo in your face. So me and him worked for a few more weeks. And I was going to take a little vacation. And I got back from vacation. Dracula had tattoos all over his face. I put little eagles on both cheeks, a little eagle on his chin, swirly mustache under his nose, eyeglasses on his face. I said, Jesus Christ, Jack, what the hell have you done to yourself? He had a pretty little girl he was going with. She was from down by the Brooklyn Navy Yard. I don't remember her name. Pretty girl. She come by one day, she said, Eddie, she said, I can't go out with this guy anymore. People just stare and she said, I just can't take it. And I said, well, I can understand that. One day, Blackable was living over. Her buddy's mother-in-law had a rooming house down the end of Coney Island in a place called Brighton Beach. Blackable had a room over there. She asked me to drive him home one day. So I'm driving down that way, I needed to get some gas. I'm in the gas station and the guy pumping the gas keeps looking in the car, looking and, and I'm about to say to Dracula, what the hell is this guy looking at? And when I turned to tell Dracula, I seen Dracula in his tattooed face 
and I knew what the guy was staring at. A couple of weeks went by. Coney Island was crowded, it's all held. And the people would pack into my little tattoo shop. Nobody buying anything, just coming in to see the man with the tattoo face. I said, Jack, you're going to have to go. You're hurting the business. I'm sorry, but you're going to have to go. Wacker was all happy about that. Said he was going around the corner and work with Freddy. I said, that's a good idea, Jack. Freddy didn't want him. Jack ended up going down to Manhattan. 42nd Street, they had a little side show. A flea circus. Jack had a job in there as the tattoo face man. Max Pelt sells his shop to Mike Jr., Colin Juno. Max goes back to California. Nancy has the baby. I was very excited. I have a little girl. He named her Yvonne. Me and Nancy still well and hitting it off when he took good well. Another year goes by. Nancy wants a divorce. Broke my heart. I was losing up my little girl. I lost my little boy, Bobby, a boy. That's what I'm in love with. Back he comes to me and says, Max is back in town. He needs a place to work, he says. You got a room, you got room for him, Ed? I said, yeah, sure, we'll make room for Max. At the same time, around this time, the health department stepped into the picture. There was a big rash of hepatitis going around New York. Yes, the health department was blaming everyone and everything for the outbreak of hepatitis. They cracked down on the, on the clams on the half-shell places. They said that the clams were giving out hepatitis. And they started with the tattooing. There could be a link with the tattooing and hepatitis, but there was no link. But anyway, the health department started making rules and regulations. They asked us if we would close down and come in for a meeting, and, and they set down some rules and regulations. We abided by them. They wanted us to get dead autoclaves. They wanted us to change our needles. Throw the ink away after each customer. Use an individual glass of water to rinse the machines out with each customer. Throw the water, throw everything away. Everything would be single service for each customer. We agreed and opened back up. Big expense buying the autoclave. Now they wanted the railing between us and the customers with a glass partition. It was a little expensive to fix the place up the way we wanted, but we did so. Now Max comes to work with me. Poor Max, he, he couldn't see very well with his bum eye. And Max would, would tattoo a customer. He couldn't work with these rules, I knew that. But we could cover for Max. But he'd flop ink all over the counter. And I said to him one day, Max, why we're not busy? You look, you got ink all over the counter. If the health man comes in, he's going to holler like hell. 
แต่แหวกแต่ก็ตันบอยปอบจะเซ็งแต่ไฟพวกคลีนนิดว่ามาคนสีวันไอ้พวกแต่ก็ตันจนเจ้าชุ่มไอ้สมิริอิงก็วางตามกันไอ้ไม่ติดกันเอาไว้จนได้ไว้ที่พอวิสาร์ตจะคลีนนิดแล้วก็ต้องสุดแบกก็ต้องสีดับเป็นสารีนในนิวส์ไปก่อน I said the blackie would stop by one day. I said, "Mac's going to get me closed down. He, he can't work like this. Mac, Mac is going to have to go, Blackie. I feel bad, but what can I do?" Blackie said, "I understand." He said, "Send him around to me. I'll set him up in the back room of my place, and we'll, we'll, we'll find room for Mac." I said, "Okay." So Blackie took Mac. Red Cloud come around to work with me for a short time. It was fun working with Red Cloud. Red Cloud by this time didn't want to do too much tattooing. All he wanted to do was a big job. He said, "If I'm getting a big job, since the health department came around, we all raised our prices a little bit. We had a a five-hour minimum. Red Cloud wanted to do two twenty-five-hour tattoos a day." He said, "That way, I'll have twenty-five hours a day." He said, "A hundred and a quarter, a hundred and a half a week." He said, "That's funny for me. That's what I want to do." Red Cloud said, "I had enough of this health department with the way we had to work." He said, "I'm going to pack myself up. If I'm going up to Boston, I'll open up a little joint up in Boston." I wish Red Cloud luck. Took his hand and off Red Cloud went. I finished working that season by myself. After the boss was living on my own back in Long Island. In the spring, I came get the shop ready to to work for the summer. My shop had a little ledge about a front window, a little ledge, and the front window opened up like a shutter. And I was sitting on that ledge early spring, reading the newspaper, and a big guy come in. Big, big guy come in. He reaches over and smacks me, knocks me off the fucking ledge. I jump up, I charge him, I push him up against the wall. What the fuck is your problem? He says, "You tattooed my kid, brother. My father's very angry. Told me to have a talk with you." He says, "Blackie is my friend." He says, "You know Blackie?" I said, "Of course I know Blackie." He says, "Well, Blackie's going to tattoo me." He says, "He says maybe you'll tattoo me for nothing one day, and I'll straighten this out with my father." I said, "Well, how old is your brother?" He says, "My brother's seventeen. He's not eighteen." Once I heard that, I wasn't worried about this guy anymore. Just said he was big, and I, I had him. Maybe I had to fight him for life. Anyway, the guy he leaves. Later, I tell Freddy this story. Freddy says the guy was in bothering him as well. He says he was across the street bothering the Carantuno brothers. They were now working in Max's shop. He says this guy is a pain in the ass. So there used to be a guy used to hang out in my shop. He was sort of like a A front man like Paulie was for Blackie. He would hang in my shop after time, hang in Freddie's shop after time. One day, this big fucking guy comes in, and and my my bouncer Whitey, his name was, 
trying to put the guy out. The guy called Cox right. He knocked him on the floor. He's sitting on him, starting to punch him. I grabbed this guy around the throat, around the neck with my arm. I pulled him off right. The guy said, yeah, you're pretty strong. I said, you're damn right I am. Get the fuck out of here. And the guy left. Was an old man used to hang in the shop as well. Nice old guy. His name was Smitty. Smitty was 93, 94 up. He used to wear a big heavy overcoat in the summertime. Big leather gloves in July and August. So damn hot. This poor old man had no blood, no circulation. He used to just come in, hang around. I'd buy him coffee and donuts. He would be happy, tell me stories. He ran outside and got the cop. They said there's a little trouble in the tattoo shop. The cop came. This big guy, he, he got a big ladder there. I had to call an ambulance for Whitey, though. He was bleeding down his face and his nose. And they took him off to the hospital. This guy comes back in later that night. And he says, you want to tattoo my leg now for nothing? I said, yeah, okay. I said, sit in this chair and put your leg up in my lap. And as he does so, I kept my hammer down to the right of me, next to my bench. I reach down, take my hammer, come up, smack this guy dead center in his fucking head. I wanted to kill this bastard. He goes back, the chair falls over, he rolls around on the floor a little bit, and he gets up, and he says to me, you shouldn't have done that. I say to myself, yeah, I know, but I've still got this fucking hammer in my hand. If need be, I'm going to kill this son of a bitch. Anyway, the guy turns around and walks out. I said, good. Packy comes by later, said, I heard you had some trouble with that big fuck. He's a big bastard, ain't he? I said, yeah. But he also come by, heard that I had a problem. He said, next time this guy comes to Coney Island, we tip each other off. We get together, and we kill this motherfucker. Yeah, I said, great, good idea. One day, this big fuck again, sticks his head in my door. I'm working, I look up, I see him looking in the door. He, he turns around, walks away. And I got done with my customer, I told him, man, Smitty, watch the place, Smitty. I'm going around to see Freddy. So I start down the block, and here comes Freddy coming the other way. He says, that guy was just here. He says, I, I see him, he stuck his head in my door. And then he walked across the street, he went into Blackie's place. He said, I'm going to call my brother-in-law. There was a union man down the Longshore, Longshoremen's Association. He says, I'm going to call him to send a couple guys down to work this guy over. I said, okay. So Blackie makes his phone call. He says, my brother-in-law sending two goons down here. They're now gathering in front of Freddy's place. The Colantuno brothers were there. The Clicker brothers were there. And, and they're talking, we're, we're going to kill this big motherfucker. I'm saying, wait, it sounds good to me. I have my black jack in my back pocket. I'm always ready. So here come these two goons. These two guys were just as big as this big guy was. It was a big motherfucker, but these guys were just as big. They come and they said, where is he? But he said, he went in Blackie's shop. 
But they said to me, you go in there and you tell this guy somebody wants to see him outside. I said, okay. Well, we're in the blackie shop and there's this guy, he's got his foot up in, in blackie's lap. Blackie's tattoo on his leg. Blackie looks up and sees me. You can see the relief on Blackie's face. I said, you all right, Blackie? He said, yeah, sure. And I turned to this guy and I said, there's a couple of, and before I could say any more, these two guys come leaning over my shoulder, the one guy with a, with a gap hook, you know, a hook with a little stick on it, like they move plates with and, and big slabs of meat. And he sticks this guy in the temple on the side of the head and pulls him out of the chair. The other guy starts kicking him in the ribs, and you could hear them kick, thud, thud. Blackie jumps up and says, don't kill him in here. They drag this guy outside, beating him mightily. The guy rolls around on the floor outside, gets up again, grabs these two guys by the head, and says, do you know who I am? And bangs their heads together. He says, this big guy said, I'm Joe Bonanno's nephew. Now, Joe Bonanno was one of the five crime families in, in New York at that time. You didn't mess with the crime families, I mean, they were bad. And these two big guys from the Longshore Union, they just backed up. Now, the big guy starts across the street heading toward where Freddy and all the guys were. The two big rooms following him, and I'm following them. And the big guy stops, turns around, points at me and says, You, you fuck, you started all this shit. And turns around and keeps walking over by Freddy. I said, Yo, Freddy. Let's kill this fuck. Freddy said, wait a minute. Now, standing there in this crowd was another young fellow that used to hang in my shop and Freddy's shop. Nice young kid. And he was standing there and he said, you guys know me as Johnny. He said, my name is Johnny Bonanno and I am Joe's nephew. He said, I know who this big fuck is. He's a big bully from the neighborhood. My uncle told him several times not to use his name again. If he used his name again, he would kill him. Now this young fellow said to the two grooms, you know who I am. I'm going over Joe's house now. I want you to meet me over there and tell Joe what just took place here tonight. Now the kid turns and looks at me and says, Eddie, that guy won't bother you ever again. And they turned around and walked away. Now, I don't know what happened to this guy, but we never saw him again. That's just the way life was in those days. It wasn't as bad as it sounds. If you had a problem with a neighbor, you, you could go to one of these crime family guys if you knew them, and they lived in the neighborhood, and you just have a talk with them. And they would have a talk with whoever you were having a problem with, and just by talking, they would straighten it out, and things would be settled with no problem. It was easier than going to the police. The police were all fucking crooks themselves.